Welcome to the Everything Action Cast, the official podcast of EverythingAction.com. Hello and welcome to the Everything Action Cast podcast for the week of September 18th, 2023. I'm your host, Zach. I'm your co-host, Chris. And uh, we got a bunch of stuff excited this week, so let's jump right in. And uh, quick things off, some trailers. We got the first trailer this week for uh, Percy Jackson and the Olympians, which is the TV series based on the book series. We got the two movies that didn't quite finish the book series, but now we have a, a TV show on Disney Plus that's going to try to basically re- restart, reboot things, and try to like maybe get through the whole series this time. But uh, Walker Scoble, who was in uh, – what was that Ryan Reynolds movie? Where he was like, like went back in time. Adam Project. Adam Project. Yeah, he was his co-star of the Adam Project. Uh, I think he was in. Uh, it was like like uh, my that Owen Wilson like my dad's a superhero. Uh, on Paramount Plus. He's been he's been a bunch of stuff recently, but yeah, he he's the new Percy Jackson, and it's this new, first season is based on the first book, so the, light, the Lightning Thief. So same plot is like if you saw, the Lightning Thief movie, uh, however many like a decade or two ago <laughs> when we came out uh same plot like Percy Jackson finds out he's a demigod like his father was a one of the or, one of the Greek gods and then he gets accused by Zeus of stealing like Zeus's lightning bolt and then that's like the whole crazy quest to try to like get the lightning bolt back and he also he's also going to like this camp for other uh like other demigod children camp half-blood and then lots there's like like you know stuff going on there they meet a bunch of New friends. There's like, like all these like different like counselors or different like Greek gods and different like demi gods and stuff. It seems, it seems like a I, I I have you seen like the original movies, Chris? Like the first I mean, those two movies. Uh, I think I saw I definitely saw the first one and the, the second one I catch randomly and it was on like sea of, movie things. Sea of Monsters or something. Was yeah, second, and I totally forgot that there was a third one. There wasn't a third one. There was only two. I think they were trying to make one, right? And then they're just like, they, nah. Well, I think I, well, I think there was like there's like at least six books. That, like it's a pretty like it's like six or eight books or something like that. So, but they so they didn't get, get close to uh, finishing the series in movies. But yeah, ho- hopefully if this TV show uh, does well. They can get through more of this, the series. Yeah, I mean that I that movie first introduced me really to Alexa. Uh, Alexa, uh, what was it? Alexandria Dario. Alexandria Dario. Yeah, I was like, whoa, who's this? Yeah, because I think that was like, by then, that was, wow, that was her fifth movie? Sixth movie she was in? Well, 20, yeah, 2010 was the first movie, and then 2013 was Sea of Monsters, and then that was it. Yeah, I, it was funny, because then, like, 2013... The movie that like I recognized her from, this is a throwback. When we saw, we went to like Monster Mania in 2013, Zach, and we saw oh, Texas, Texas Chainsaw, Chainsaw 3D. Mm-hmm. And we're like, whoa, what? Mm-hmm. Go so, get him, cuz. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I mean, it was stupid enough. And we're like, all right, like this girl's like she knows how to play like different roles and things, and her career like took off. And I wouldn't say, I don't know which one was it. Do you think it was Percy Jackson or do you think it was Texas Chainsaw? Uh, I don't, I'm not sure. 
and uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know who the, like, it, like I think the uh, the character, like the other characters in the show, are kind of like more unknown people. So we'll we'll see if any of them break out. Uh, there are some like definitely some names that like uh for like some of the adults and like counselors and stuff that are in uh like supporting characters like uh Lance Reddick, the late 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 Lance Reddick is playing Zeus. Like this is like his final TV role. And uh, Jason Manzukas is gonna be there. He's playing. Uh, I think he's playing like uh, Dionysus, like the or like the like the the count like the, the basically like the head counselor. Yeah. And then uh, Megan Mullally is also uh, showing up in the show. So a bunch a bunch of like fun like uh, adult actors showing up in this show. That's good. It's a blend of like parents recognizing the comedian and like adult actors, and then tweens getting their like new idol they'll follow for the next 10 years hopefully and then, uh, yeah and then uh rick Riordan, who wrote the books is writing and executive producer in the show and then uh jonathan e steinberg is the showrunner and executive producer he most recently did c the apple tv plus jason Momoa show and the old man so because uh, yeah. he's got to tone it down I think I think he's also like he also did like Jericho. He's like he's had a really like weird like it's like these all these like kind of, I guess similar like like genre shows, but like really like just like eclectic mix of like shows that he's like worked on. I see. I think yeah, I think Jericho was like his first big one. And then yeah, it was C, and then he's done uh, Black Sails, and then he did Human Target. But yeah, Percy Jackson, uh, it's going to be debuting on December 20th on Disney Plus, so you can check that out just in time for Christmas. And we also, speaking of young adult novels, uh, we also got a new trailer this week for The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, which is the prequel movie to The Hunger Games, which, based on the uh, the novel, the same name, that was written by, uh, Francis, uh, by uh, Suzanne Collins. Post post hard games that it was like it was a prequel novel and now we get the prequel movie, but uh, Francis Lawrence directed most of the Hunger Games movies is coming back to direct this movie, so yeah, it def- I mean it definitely has that Hunger Games movie feel to it, and it's about uh, a young uh, Coriolanus Snow who would you know grow into uh, Donald Sutherland and be like the evil tyrannical leader of Pan Am, but now he's like this like still still like wealthy but like kind of like he's he was a soldier in the war that whatever the war to kind of like uh you know like kind of put the like the capital in, in like control of everybody and, but his his, his family's kind of like like falling out of grace in like the capitals and he gets a chance like during the 10th hunger games to uh maybe like you know like reclaim his family's honor and like uh put them on the map with like by like mentoring this new uh tribute from district 12 who's played by rachel zegler and it's it, it's all it's a, it's like very early hunger but it's it's also like i think the 10th one is like the, the, the thing they're kind of like spitting off in is like this is the one where they turned it into like not just like a like battle royale like just like kids killing each other like in like a pit it's like it's like, this like gladiator yeah this is like now we're turning it into like a giant spectacle with like genetically modified creatures and traps and uh different uh landscapes different like biomes and well it's crazy to think that 
they started the Hunger Games just because they wanted to, the rich wanted to make the poor fight it out for their amusement to figure out, like, yeah, and, and to punish, how punish, to break up shares. The, 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 yeah, to the, the punish them for trying to rise up against them. Because it was like the, all the districts rose up against the capital, the capital won. And so then the districts are now being punished every year for their, like, insolence. Damn, and it, it goes on for another, like, 30? Yeah. Yeah, I forget. I forget when we get to like the the actual like Katniss era Hunger Games. Like, yeah, what are they up to? Like thirty or forty or something. So it'd be funny if like, I mean, not funny, but kind of more allude to our timeline where, in order to make it grounded, that tenth Hunger Game, they figured out like digital cameras and GoPros to get like the recordings. Well, there's some sort of like drones or something flying around in this trailer that's in the arena. I don't know if those are, like cameras or if those are, like. Like trying to kill them, <laughs> but there's definitely some sort of like there's like these drones flying around and like a giant like tub of snakes just like dumps into the arena and like fills the <laughs> arena with snakes. And... This is a Hunger Games or a Mario Party? Yeah, I mean it's got it's got I mean it's got a crazy cat like Viola Davis co-starring, Jason Schwartzman, Peter Dinklage. I I, just, I wonder I wonder how much like. Interest there still is in Hunger Games because Ben like, oh man, when was the, when was the last the like the last one was uh like 2015, so that was like almost 20 years ago <laughs> or almost wow. 10 years ago. 10 years ago, I was like, yeah. I, I yeah, I don't know if it has the same like uh you know staying powers like Harry Potter. But but I think it's I think Lionsgate is like well, is like, we have Lionsgate is like we have this and John Wick. <laughs> that's, our, that's like our only things we have. We have to like milk we have to, we have to milk something Hunger Games related. Do they have Saw too? I think so. Yeah. Those are like yeah those are like I guess those are like their three main franchises. But uh yeah I guess I guess we'll, we'll see what the what the staying power is uh what's and. If the uh, if the strikes aren't resolved by then, like obviously no one's gonna be talking, like be able to promote this, so it might really, it might uh, not have a great Thanksgiving box office, but we'll have to see how that shakes out. But yeah, November seventeenth is when this is coming out, uh, so just time for Thanksgiving. You can gather the family, go watch a bunch of uh, dystopian teenagers murder each other. Fun for the whole time. I think I think I think most of the Hunger Games movies came out during like around like Thanksgiving. Like a weird, like, yeah, get the get the family, go watch <laughs> teenagers murder each other. That one came out in April. I'm trying to. I don't. I don't think Mockingjay was like a same year deal. I think that was like Mockingjay Part One came out one year, and then Part Two came out the second year. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think one one was like a November, and then like one was like an April. Maybe, yeah. But I mean. I wonder if, um, you know, if like the fandom's gonna show up because I really haven't heard anything. That's that's what I'm saying. Related. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, what, what what is the cultural like relevance of Hunger Games right now? I remember. Is it wasn't there like in New York? Wasn't Lion, Lionsgate trying to like make like a like like a Lionsgate like indoor like theme park or something or like some sort of like attraction thing? I like, thought it was Vegas too. Vague, some something like that where it's like oh you, you can like live you can like experience John Wick world and you can like go in like like Hunger Games archery challenge and then like go and like it's like all these like different like Lionsgate like 
well, no, like, Lionsgate it, experience it, or something? In Dubai, there is a Lionsgate theme park. It's like this weird um, amusement park that they also have like a version of Harry Potter in there. Mm-hmm. And it's just because like they just don't have a distributor, so it's sort of like, hey, we just need to team up and we'll make like a theme park for like in a mall. It's like in a mall thing. I I, I found it one time. It was like really random. I found oh, yeah. the video. I, I didn't just yeah. go there. Yeah, Lionsgate Entertainment World is uh yeah in in China. Oh, it's in China. Well, it looks like they might have one. They might have like. There's, they, they have like some like ex, like kind of separate experiences in like London. They have like saw escape this saw the escape experience in London, and then they have like yeah they have like entertainment worlds in China. They have some sort of, like some yeah, some sort of Dubai thing. So yeah yeah Lionsgate has some weird, like, just like random weird like uh international theme park. Yeah, it's like yeah. just, it's like a, it's like rides and experiences, but it's co-owned by a bunch of other people because like they're not the only thing in that building yeah i could i could have sworn they were talking about making like doing something in like new york city or something it was like gonna be like a lion's gate experience or something you don't know where new york is very crowded it's like yeah it was like times square or something maybe i don't know that was like years ago that was like years ago though yeah and that makes sense before the probably the economy collapsed and like COVID, but I would rather take a Lionsgate experience and go one time than just never go into the M&M building. <laughs> I went there one time as a kid. I lived in New York, and I was like, this is stupid. <laughs> so um, we also got a, tr- a pair of trailers featuring Nicolas Cage this week. Um, so fr- first up, we got a, a new A24 comedy uh, that's coming up starting Nicolas Cage. It's called Dream Scenario. And Nicholas Cage is playing a kind of mild-mannered family man slash professor named Paul Matthews, who inexplicably starts appearing in, like, millions of people's dreams. Like, he just shows up, and he's just, like, in people's dreams, and no one really knows why. And then, he, but then he becomes kind of, like, a viral sensation because he's like, oh, it's the, the dream guy. Like, the, the guy, like, the guy who's in everyone's dreams, and he kind of, kind of becomes, like, this, like, celebrity. And then, but then I, I think, according to description, like, the dreams start turning, like, nightmarish. So it's like, now he has, like, so now it's like people are having like nightmares with him. So now it's like kind of they're associating too much with him. Yeah, I think they have to kind of figure out like what what is that now that now it's like going like horrifying. We have to figure out like what why is this happening or try to figure out what's happening maybe. I'm down for it because I feel like this would have been a straight to DVD thing, but it it has some sort of like appeal, and this is I the like- Cage Renaissance. I do, I do like you get some, you get some glimpses of the of the dreams and like there's like one where like this like college girl is like, it's, it's like the like the entire like building's collapsing and Nicholas Cage is like walking through and just like, hey, I'm Nicholas Cage, what's going on over here? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, like this this seems like a great like, um, visual mm-hmm. movie. It doesn't the plot can be silly, the um, the message should be all over the place, but the fact that you see Nicholas Cage just be this like what we think he is in real life or like the craziness that he used to be. I mean, he still is probably behind closed doors, but this is just like, Hey, let's make a like nightmare on Elm street, but let's make it lighthearted. Well, he seems, he seems like a kind of just like a normal, like he's just like a boring dad and like boring college guy. And then it's like this like weird thing just starts happening to him of like millions of people around the world, like dreaming about him. 
and then he's like kind of like like he embraces it, but then then he starts taking on like trolls. You gotta you gotta deal with like like just like becoming like this weird crazy viral Cultural thing. And then, yeah, and then people are like dressing like him and like obsessing about him. It's like yeah, so it's like kind of, I think it's, it's I think it's, it seems like it's gonna have like a lot of like social commentary, but like a viral celebrity and like that kind of thing too. That's true. I, I did get that vibe because they do where like it's all fun. It's it's fine, but then I guess the media, the public gets sick of it, and then mm-hmm. because you can't escape the dream, it, you know, it's sort of like every night does this happen? They, they, yes, they, they start to hate him, and then it's like, <laughs> but he's, but it's like he's not doing anything. It's just like this weird. It's like he has no control. It's like like he's like he's not like yeah, he's not like Freddy Krueger. He's not like actively like going out like finding people's dreams and invading them. He's just like just some for some reason in this universe, like Nicholas Cage just shows up people's dreams. Yeah, it's it's one of those like it's so unrational, unra- irrational that like when it happens to you, like if this ever happened, we didn't know what to do. You know what I mean? Like no one prepares for that. That that's like one of those like, huh, supernatural in a way, but it, the response is very natural of people being freaked out. So I'm interested. Like it's like it's interesting plot. Like it's definitely something that. You know, maybe I won't run to the theater to see it right away, but if it's on something streaming, hell yeah, I'm going to watch that. It is uh, directed by Christopher Borgley, and it's produced by Ari Aster. So if, like, <laughs> it's probably going to have at least some of that, like, you know, Ari Aster weirdness going on. I, I haven't seen Bo's Afraid yet, but, like, I'm assuming, like, <laughs> some a little, uh, probably a little bit of that is in this movie. And it kind of seems like it, like, just like how some of the dreams look and stuff. But this is gonna be out uh, November 10th uh, in theaters. You check that out when it comes out. And then, totally, totally opposite of the spectrum for Nicolas Cage. Like this is like brutal, pit, like pissed off, demented, deranged Nicolas Cage. We have uh, Butcher's Crossing, which is a western where uh, Nicolas Cage is playing a buffalo hunter named Miller, who is hired by, or actually like, hires on this uh, Harvard student played by Fred uh, Hetchinger, who wants to like. Like I want to, I want to experience like life in the wild west. I'm from, I'm like a very privileged like Harvard college kid. But I want to like learn about the west. And then he like signs on with this on this buffalo hunt with Nicolas Cage. And then he goes like totally off the rails because Nicolas Cage is like this like deranged lunatic who's like slaughtering buffalo and like like and, like just like take gleefully just like everyone's just like hey we already got we can't carry this much many buffalo. He's like I'm gonna kill as many buffalo as I want. <laughs> like I don't know what happened to Nick Cage. I, I, you know, I historically we killed the buffalo to like thin the numbers of Native Americans. Mm-hmm. It's like someone figured out that because there's like food and resources from that, if we murder their food resources, like you weaken the tribes, which is true and horrific. Um, but yeah, no, he's just some psycho. Because it's like he's revealing that he basically is just like an unhinged. Uh, like hunter yeah and then this harvard educated guy is definitely way over his head mm-hmm. and then he's like he, like no one can leave until like the hunt's done so he's like he's like basically holding them all hostage to like to like this and then everyone's like trying to descending into madness yeah yeah uh only one who's prepared for this is nick cage because i guess you know uh he's the most prepared for the wilderness but the 
it, it it seems I couldn't tell really from the trailer. Does it seem like there's a rival hunting gang, or is it just them? I I'm not sure. I mean, it, it's like Nicolas Cage and this Harvard kid, and like there's a couple guys with them. But yeah, I don't like maybe yeah maybe Nicolas Cage starts killing other like hunters or something or like it's like I don't we got kill up a competition. <laughs> like, just I the mean, way of the West. I mean, Nicholas Cage seems like totally unhinged, so like who knows? He could be doing up to anything in this movie. True. Yeah. He's he's doing the he's doing the classic shaving my bald head with a razor blade move at the end of the trailer. So he's doing it without a mirror, so he's yeah. going by feel, which is super dangerous. Yeah, it definitely. I get I get very uh, the Revenant vibes for this movie too. Like it has like that kind of feel, of, like it's like just gritty, brutal, like like wilderness survival western kind of thing but uh that, 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 uh, hunters Hunt, butchers crossing me out uh october 20th so you can check that out and two, two different flavors of nicholas cage's fall you can see deranged nicholas cage and like uh dream dream <laughs> dream professor nicholas cage <laughs> So, um, other news, we got some news that Netflix has, uh, signed up for a sequel to their movie Troll, uh, which I think came out last year. Um, yeah, last year Troll came out, um, one huge hit for Netflix. It was one of their big, like most popular non-English films of all time. I still, I still haven't got a chance to see it. Have you seen it, Chris? Troll? I have not. I mean, I've heard I've heard it's really good. I heard it's like basically like, like a Godzilla movie or like a King Kong movie, but with like a giant troll. Because like the troll, the troll in the movie is like is like you know kaiju size. He's like, and he like he's like awakened from like a explosion at like in like a, uh in like the Norwegian mountains, and he's just like just going and like like destroying things. I always I always confuse that one and the troll hunter one. Troll hunter, yeah. So this is just a straight up giant troll that just. Like bugs, yeah, like the yeah, Swedes. yeah, like yeah, like monster-sized troll just going around. So, uh, because it was so popular, yeah, there's a sequel coming. Uh, Roar Uthog, who directed the first the first movie, is coming back to direct the, the new movie. Um, the, the same writers from the first movie are coming back. Uh, no word on what the plot's gonna be, but um, I would assume another troll or more trolls, or multiple trolls maybe, like awakening, causing havoc. Maybe I mean if one exists, there are always implications. There's gonna be another. Yeah, it, it'd be cool if they leaned into because like you you mentioned Troll Hunter, like Troll Hunter, like they they had like multiple like a bunch of different like like species of trolls, and they all had like really distinct like uh like weight like behaviors and like like ways of like reacting and stuff, and like so that'd be cool if they like like whatever whatever species or whatever like the mannerisms like the troll in the first movie was if they like introduce like new trolls that are like totally different. It's like this is a this is like a fire troll or this is like an ice troll or something. Because the troll in the first movie, like from what I've seen, is very like earth based. Like he's like covered in like moss and like twigs and like he's just like like kind of like it's basically like he's like a living mountain basically. Mm. I mean that's cool. Like they're exploring the lore because I know even in the like troll origins, it's like they're different versions because there's the troll that's under the bridge there's trolls that dwell on mountains and like the outdoors there's trolls that pretend to be rocks mm-hmm. 
So it's like a very vast thing. Unless, hear me out, they become trolls, the ones with like the sparkly stomach <laughs> one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Treasure trolls. Like, treasure trolls, that just shows up and it's like technically that is a troll, so that's okay in this movie. Bring back uh what was Stone Warriors? <laughs> like the like action like actual like action figure versions, like the Ninja Turtles version of the trolls. That was a thing. There was there was there was Stone Warriors, and I think there was like troll, uh, like oh yeah, there was like uh, yeah yeah, they look like Ninja Turtle figures, and they all had like grins. Yeah, and like they had the hair. I think it was like made by the same brand that did Treasure Trolls. It was like the more like older, edgier troll dolls. I don't know if they had a, a jewel in their stomach. Yeah, there's there's battle trolls, and then there was uh, st- I think it was like stone protectors was the, was like the actual like other one. And that the, was short lived. The stone protectors were like a were like a band, and then they but they also like were like had like super like superpowers. They like fought like uh, like like goblin trolls or something. Jeez, this was Hasbro's attempt at making new turtles, basically. Yeah, pretty much. They were definitely a, definitely a Ninja Turtles ripoff. But yeah, no, no, they'll probably be in this in Troll too. But we'll have to see. Uh, they're gonna start shooting that next year, and then I would assume maybe like late next year or like 2025, we'll see Troll two, which will give us plenty of time to see the actual the first Troll. And then last bit of news for this week is that we found out. That uh, Mark Webb, who directed the Amazing Spider-Man movies, um, also directed most recently the upcoming live-action Snow White with Rachel Zegler um, and uh, Gal Gadot, is uh, directing a Bermuda Triangle movie for Skydance called called Bermuda, which apparently Skydance is like working on this for like years. They've been trying to get like this like Bermuda Triangle action adventure movie up and running. And uh, yeah, so they so they have Mark Webb signed on. There's no word on like the script or like the plot or anything. It's still apparently still super early, even though they've been working on it for like years. <laughs> but yeah, some some sort of action adventure in the Bermuda Triangle around the Bermuda Triangle. I feel like Bermuda Triangle is, is seems like it's a little like underrepresented for like movies, like. I'm trying, I'm trying to think of like 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 Bruno Triangle movies. <laughs> and that one really has done it well. Like there's like, a movie Triangle, but I don't know if there's actually in the in like the Bruno Triangle. And uh, then... it does. That have you seen Triangle? Yeah. Yeah. So like that. That is like the best one that I've seen that I like. Um, and that's because it's more of a time gimmick than it is a Bruno Triangle thing. You know, like, yeah, it's never like, oh, we got to hang out in the beer triangle. What's causing it? There was a um, a a weird episode of real Ghostbusters where there's the New York triangle or like the tri-state triangle where like Mm -hmm. Vankman's dad enters like they're trying to salvage like a cargo ship. And then they accidentally enter in and then like Peter Vankman's dad goes after them. And it's all like space-time continuum portal it's very interesting because like there's really no ghosts it's just like oh yeah like they basically just tell it to go away 
So, yeah, like, I mean, like, it, it's sort of just, like, it fucks with your devices, but I believe, based on modern technology, you don't get stuck in that anymore. It's probably just, like, a magnetic field that probably wanders based on the rotation of the Earth. That's, like, the best mm-hmm. logical reason. Um, that's why it's kind of died down. That's why it's even more interesting that, like, it's taken them this long to write a script, because it's like, no one copyrights Bermuda Triangle. You're not fighting for the yeah. rights. Mm-hmm. There was also, uh, 2005, there was a sci-fi, like, original uh, miniseries that was, like, The Triangle. That, like, had, like, a ton of people, like, Sam Neill was in it, Eric Stoltz, Bruce Davidson, Catherine Bell, Luke Diamond Phillips, like... That was like that was like a BBC uh, sci-fi like joint venture. But yeah, we'll we'll see uh see what this Bermuda Triangle movie is. See what Mark Webb brings to it. Um. Hope yeah, hopefully some sort of crazy like, like <laughs> crazy like just like do all the all the like theories just like matching all together like aliens and like other dimensions and. Underwater pyramids shoot lasers and disintegrate things, like whatever craziness. So uh, that's it for news. So why don't we jump into show and tell? And uh, Chris, what are you watching over the last week or so here? So I've been on a binge for 19, like 30s crime, because for some reason, I just have never seen all the way through. The original 1967 Bonnie and Clyde movie. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's regarded as the golden age of modern cinema of just how they filmed it. And that the, the, the like, shootout at the end is some grand finale. And I want to see if it still holds up. And let me tell you, this version of the movie is weird. It's the most famous of the time just because it's got a very good stellar cast. But I'm going to say something kind of controversial, Zach. Mm-hmm. It's not that great. <laughs> it's not a movie I want to watch again, like, the whole way through. I'd watch bits, maybe, but, like, it's not a movie I want to, like, carve out two hours of my time again. Or, like, it's super bizarre. It's, it's like, historically weird because they play around with facts. I get it, they're trying to make it more entertaining, but even, like, this movie's runtime is padded just because of, like, long stares and a very sexually frustrated uh, Bonnie. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you've ever seen this version, but uh, Simpsons made a funny episode about it. It's, like, a really quick, like, Valentine's Day episode. They had, like, a skit about it where Homer and Marge just, like, kind of replay the whole movie. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, I didn't realize because they make a joke. It's like, hey, why are we doing this again? And then Homer says, oh, it's a sex it's a sex thing. And like, I didn't quite understand. And then I watched this version and I'm like, oh, I get it. So for the most part, this version of the story, it makes it seem like Clyde is very shy and is a virgin about like he can't match his bad boy persona. And he even tells Bonnie early on he's like I'm not really a lover boy I'm a more of a he's like I'm a tough guy like I don't I don't love easily and it's like as cool as that may have sounded it's delivered very awkwardly through Warren Beatty and like I get it they're trying to be 
sort of like making Clyde seem very like misunderstood, but it it comes off very weird. And so I was like, oh. And you know, maybe halfway through the movie, I was like questioning myself. I was like, "Do I not know what good movies are? Like, <laughs> this is a war, an academy thing. Like, I get it. Like, the '60s standards was well, different. Also, it's like, how old was how old was Warren Beatty when he made this? And then, like, how old was like Clyde actually? Like, he was like 17. <laughs> actually, like real life. Yeah. yeah. Like, so like that's the, Warren the thing. Like, was like probably like what was it, 40. It is like 30s or like 40s, 40s. probably. Yeah. Yeah, Bonnie and Clyde met when they were like. 17 19 20 maybe like they first met and then when they went on their spree he was like 25 because he yeah his spree lasted from like 1932 reportedly to 1934 so it's not like a long time it was just that they where they were in the mid like whatever like the bible belt area between texas mississippi and louisiana um, where they're just going up and down, just robbing places and sort of just like returning to the same cities because they just didn't know where to go. Like they they love the fame, that's their thing. And their gimmick was, um, you know, they they sort of just like rob what they needed. They were, I get it, they were modern day Robin Hood people because they tried not to kill so much, and they were robbing banks, not random people. But then they ra- they rob mom and pop like shops. So it's like, huh, they're not, you know, like it, it, it's very weird. And it's like, you're not supposed to root for them. But the movie is sort of like, it's it's sort of like they know that their time's coming. So they want, they kind of understand that like this life for them is a blaze of glory. Because even like Bonnie, there's this really, Faye Dunaway does a good job of like sort of, encompassing that aspect of her mm-hmm. however there are three attempted sex scenes and i say attempted because she it makes it seem like anytime client does something violent she is massively turned on it, mm-hmm. it's like the first time they meet clyde robs a, a convenience store and she is like horned up she's just like that is the hottest thing i've seen like hell yeah like I'm going to go with you. And he's like, are you sure? He gives her a bunch of outs. He's like, hey, you don't have to do this. Like, no one knows who the hell you are. You don't You don't have to do this. But she's just like, yep, this is what I want. So it's, I get the romance and the, the legend of them. Uh, I just, again, when I see in this version, I, I was like, huh, now I see it all together. Very weird. But the takeaway a lot of people remember about Bonnie and Clyde is that Gene Wilder's in it. Mm-hmm. And Gene Wilder's part is like a different movie. I'm not. Have you seen that part at least? Oh yeah, I've seen. I've seen Bonnie Clyde. Yeah, like okay. They, they, they like they kidnap him, and then it's just like it turns into like a Mel Brooks movie for like yeah ten minutes. It does. It took me out. I was like, oh, I was more interested, and it's funny because there's a part where Gene Hackman is telling like this old joke, and everyone in the car is just sort of bored from it because they've heard it so many times. And there's just like that. That part I like. You know, like they. It is a completely different movie compared to the rest, like the beginning parts. And Gene Hackman's pretty fun. Like he, I don't know. I think Gene Hackman's the better actor compared to Warren Beatty, maybe. That's also, that's a hot take, I think. What Gene but Hackman's I mean, better? But Gene, I mean, I mean they're, they're both. I mean, I'm trying. I'd have to really, really like look. <laughs> I mean, Gene Hackman's been a bunch of stuff, great stuff, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, great. It, 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 guess, I'm not saying he's never had a bad movie because I've seen Welcome to Mooseport at times. <laughs> so I'm I'm just saying, like in this movie, I found his character more entertaining. Yeah, mind you, I was just in just throwing this on and just watching it, and I was like, huh, this is what this is about, huh? But, well, I, think, I think definitely, I mean, definitely at the time this was made, like, like, like Warren Beatty was like, the, like the biggest Hollywood the biggest, star. Yeah, Gene Hackman was like the like young up and comer. Like, I don't know, I, maybe because I just like Gene Hackman more. Yeah, but either way, it, it, this movie's okay. Like, it definitely is not on TV a lot. It's definitely I get why people watch it for film school, but there's an air of just like awkwardness and and padded runtime that i feel like could be trimmed to tell like a faster story and really just i don't know why they were like the like it's so distracting when there's gonna be this lovemaking scene and then it's just like uh clyde just goes like no not tonight you know and then bonnie's just like sexually frustrated and i was like oh was this true I, i don't know but yeah you know, it just, it, it, it's, was it? it leads up to the end where it's like, they sort of, you know, they finally had sex. They, they kind of had like, a, oh, hey, we, this, we can, we can actually forget our past. Like maybe we can move on from what we've done. And then the famous shootout happens. Or yeah. it wasn't really a shootout. It was just like a massacre. <laughs> I'm not sure there was even like, you can't do that these days. You just can't set up an ambush. <laughs> but the last time I heard about that was when that like, that like guy in the cabin where the, basically the police were just shooting at it so it basically exploded. That was like the only incident where I heard like they just didn't do the negotiation or sort of like a surrender. They were just like everyone just keep firing. Mm-hmm. So on the flip side of that, I also saw the Highwaymen, the Bonnie and Clyde story t- as told by Fred Hammer and his assistant. And 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 it like their journey, the more historically accurate one to some degree. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the Highwaymen? Not yet, no. I recommend it. Um, it's 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 based on the last year, I think, of Bonnie and Clyde, where the FBI and like all these agencies are putting together like a squad and then trying to like who can do it first. You know, the behind the scenes looking good in the public um, between all these agencies. And I think the FBI just became the FBI like a few years, like a year or two, because the FBI was invented in like the 30s. So. Well, that. um, That the the, uh, killing. What's that? The movie that's coming up. uh, Orange City movie. Killing, Killing of the Flower Moon. Like, that's basically like the. That's when the FBI got started. That was like 1932 or 19, like early, late 20s, early 30s. So no, yeah. it's early 30s because I mean the FBI was around, but they didn't have uh, FBI agents that can go to different states because every state and county had their own territory that didn't like yeah. other agencies, and the FBI was the besides. So the precursor FBI, and this is something I just like got oh, into yeah, like a goddamn yeah, so, rabbit hole. Well, yeah. So I'm just like so. The uh, Killers of the Flower Moon was the early 1920s, and that's uh, and that was like the newly formed FBI's like first big investigation. Right, right. So then, yeah, then Bonnie Clyde was 1932, 34. And then before that was John Dillinger, because he yeah. was another one where like Hoover was like fuck that guy, but then 
because of that, he sort of like dropped the ball on Bonnie and Clyde for a while. So mm-hmm. then that's when the governor of or like the warden of one state was just like, hey, let's get like an ex Texas Ranger out of retirement to come hunt down because he's like he came back. He this Texas Ranger was from like an earlier time where basically he can navigate the land and sort of like you like didn't need like backup. And that's why like they're highwaymen. And I didn't know during the 1932 to 1934, there were no Texas Rangers. The like governor of Texas was just sort of like, I don't know. I don't like Texas Rangers. We're, we're at a time of peace. It's like, what? okay. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. I didn't know that. Like they, they bring that up in the movie. And I was like, is that true? Yeah, she like disbarred the Texas Rangers for a few years under her her watch. And then because of this, uh, Fred Hamber, because he was able to do like a good job with very little resources and just straight up just, you know, uh, good detective work and then a lot of firepower. They're like, yeah, now, like by then they met, now in this movie, they really focus on Fred Hammer and like the law enforcement. And then even then it's like what lengths they were willing to do to get the job done and to like not not saying he's like batman but he is sort of like he walks a gray line between like what he's doing kevin costner is really good in this i actually do like this movie a lot and and to see like him encompass the character as this dude who was just like a no gruff guy pretty cool like it's always not great to always root for the the g-man or like you know the the law enforcement guy but it does feel like a Western, you know, and and the fact that he is a cowboy that had to become basically a hired gun because he's just like, if I see trouble on the highway, I'm going to like start shooting. Literally, that's what he did. So he um, the story is very like simple. And now that I saw the opposite, like one that like if this is your first Bond and Klein movie, you're going to be lost. It's one of those things where, like, they focus so little on them that even the actors that played Bonnie and Clyde aren't, uh, didn't come from, like, traditional acting. They were all stuntmen and stunt people that basically were like, hey, do you want to play Bonnie? Do you want to play Clyde? All right, put on this costume. There you go. Like, they hardly have any dialogue. So, this was, um, it's, it's decent drama. Action's very limited. Like, you think it's going to be this action-packed movie based on, like, the cover or even maybe, like, the um, the trailer. And it's not. They really don't fire a gun until the end of the movie. And you're fine with that because if you watch in one sitting, it's very... Um, it, it works up to it, and it rewards you by showing, like, okay, like, they weren't just kind of... Remor- like, unremorseful, like highwaymen or even like they were just like oh shit like we just gonna start blasting and panic they knew basically that bonnie and clyde had to be stopped and they really focus in on like the toll it would take on them to do this and kevin costner goes a good performance where he's like hey like i've been a killer like i'm born to be a killer like i'm okay with this like as long as i'm here like i can stop someone evil so again Explains it really well. To go back to the Bonnie and Clyde movie, 1967, that version of Fred Hammer, totally like a goddamn like uh, like Looney Tunes character villain. 
<laughs> he's got like a ridiculous mustache. He's got like his goals are weird. He it's got like he sort of like has a vendetta that's been brewing for the last like two years. And like I had to look up online. I was like, is it true? And I looked up and I was like, huh, it's not. Like they really pulled one out of their ass to kind of tell this like story. But uh in a weird twist in the during that premiere, the family of Fred Hammer sue the hell out of Warner and was just like, How dare you like portray our grandfather like this? And then even uh Bonnie and Clyde's family sued uh the original Bonnie and Clyde producers because they're like, Our family wasn't like this. So if you look up that, that's gonna be like a I mean it's not like a long history of it, but it's like this yeah, you're going to make an historic epic, and then you're just not going to use the facts. Where highwaymen treat it with some sort of respect, and then it pays off being a drama. But I think Bonnie, I always thought Bonnie and Clyde was more of a, like, a drama, the 19, original 1967. So I was, yeah. like, dumbfound that there was, like, way more comedy than I thought. Because I haven't seen the Gene Wilder before. I just assumed that was, like, his, the only funny moment to break up everything else. But there are other things that happen, like when they play the banjos theme all the time, and then it's like yep. Clyde's clumsiness, and then his his awkwardness to like be a leader sort of in his gang. So there's like a different tone. Well, I, I uh, think a lot of movies, like a lot of movies around that time, had that kind of weird like juxtaposition because like Butch Cassidy, some of his kid, also has like it's like very like. It's like super comedic, but it ends up with like them, them getting like gunned down. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I get it, but that doesn't have a romance scene between the two of them. No, but maybe it should. But it's got it's got it's got like the, like the rain drops he's on my head like scene and like, but then they're also like you know like, but I, 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 I guess like that was much much guess like is, is trying to be more of like a like a buddy like comedy I guess, but then it's still like weird like like weird violence happening. But yeah, but Bonnie Clyde is definitely like way more jarring where it's like you kinda like like yeah, there's a lot of like like the tone the, the especially the tone shift like with like last like t- like ten minutes where just like it's just like horrific, horrific violence. Yes. And it just ends right after that. Yeah. It's like, well, <laughs> there you go everybody. <laughs> They're dead. Yeah, yeah. It ends on like a, a sour note and then the credits are just saying like yeah, like it fades in like a comedy to shock you. You know, I was like, whoa. But I get it. They didn't. They didn't want that. Was the climax? Literally, the this their story ends, and now it's just like go about your business. Uh, but in Highwaymen, they deal with the fandom that happened after Bonnie and Clyde, and the like the town that they directly drag in like the car they were in. And the people in that town go nuts. Like, you know, they get very, like, death-grieving fandom. And it, it it's frantic. And it's, it makes, like, Kevin Costner and Woody Harrelson, like, sick to watch. And it's just like, eh. Like, it was not a good thing they did either. They recognize that's, like, very, like, oh, man, people suck. That's why I recommend that. Like, I, I, I wholeheartedly, like, if you've seen Bonnie and Clyde, you're aware enough. Highwaymen really reframes the story. So, you know, they're not good guys, but they're not bad guys. 
And uh, yeah, um, I was gonna try to watch Public Enemies too. <laughs> but really, yeah, really get into it. Really get into the whole 1930s like gangster thing because it, it's like I always thought that was like a different time era. It's the same time. Pretty, yeah. It was just a crazy time to be a gangster in the 30s, in the early 30s. You could just be, like, anybody. As long as you lived in Chicago people, or the Midwest, you could people loved, be a people, criminal. People loved you, too, because you were, like, yep. you were robbing from banks. or Everyone hated the banks at the time. So it was like, yeah, go. You guys are like Robin Hood. So, uh, it, <laughs> I just remember the trailer of Public Enemies of the really used CGI and the blue screen effects that they didn't quite master in 2009. Was like, it, was it, wasn't that the first one that Michael Mann like did full, like full digital. Cause he, like he'd been doing, he'd been shooting a film forever. And then the, like, I'm going to shoot on digital now. And then like, it looked like really, it, it was like that in Miami Vice and like everything's done has been like digital. You could shoot digital, you know, like TV shows shoot digital and they look good, but there are a grievous effects of CGI. Like, I guess there's a stunt Johnny Depp couldn't really do in life and or didn't look good with him in the right angles. So they got a stuntman to do like a jump sequence where he just jumps over a counter. Mm-hmm. It's in the trailer, but his <laughs> face is like PS3 graphics slapped on <laughs> to it's like the wrong lighting. And even when his head moves, the lighting doesn't adjust. So it's like static lighting on half his face that as his figure is jumping over a counter. Mind you, they could just show the back. They didn't have to show the front of the leap to come over. So they, it's like such a waste of a shot of like effects because it just took me out of the movie. But like other digitals, like, oh, that's obviously like a blue screen. They couldn't like get a vault this nice looking, you know, in time. So they just like are staying in front of a green screen. But they didn't do like the the like outline correct because there's like a white line like around like one actor. I'm like, what the? Well, I think I think it was jarring, too, because it was uh, the way Michael Mann shot it. Like he was trying to it, it felt like it was just like it, it, it didn't feel like it was a movie. It felt like it was, it was like a. Like documentary. documentary yeah it's like yeah. It's, it's like it's just the way the way like the way it's all it's like shot and like the filter like the way it's like you know like, like the cinematography and everything it's just like it's like it's kind of just like you're like watching like home movies i'm just like trying to have like ready to be a gangster yes yeah there's something weird about the frame rate that yeah. does not look good through netflix that i i lost because i have like the cheap tier or i don't know what's going on, on my internet but Watching it stream just on my computer. I didn't put it on like a high res TV or anything, just on my computer, and it looked weird. Like you could tell more of the CGI when it's on a smaller TV, I guess. I, I don't know. That's that shouldn't be, right? It's you're supposed to hide the illusion when the screen is smaller, but for some reason on my computer, I was like, why is this happening? So uh yeah, I, I watched a bit of it. Not enough to say I watched the full thing to see how I feel, but it's um, it's still like, it still characterizes, uh, was it Jack Dillinger? J- Jack John Dillinger. Dillinger. Yeah, like he um, he's charismatic, and it's like Johnny Depp is like spot on for that that role. Like he looks like Jack Dillinger, or John Dillinger. Um, though like you said, spot, you were correct about how it's filmed, and it just looks like something that like history channel would throw on 
Like, oh, he made so well. It, it was because like so right before Public Enemies, like Michael Mann, he made Collateral and Miami Vice, and those were like his first two big like I'm switching to digital now. But it, it worked with those two movies because like it's modern day, like mm-hmm, it like mm-hmm. it like it's like oh you're there. It's like you're there. Like it it gave it like a gritty like realness, and then like doing that for like the 1930s is like really weird because it's just like this is like like you're just like it's like it's like you're you're watching like a reenactment in like a a backyard or something it's like because it doesn't look good in that clothing i think it has to do with the clothing you gotta have yeah and you gotta have like you gotta have like some like grain like it's just it it, it, like 1930s stuff looks just weird like super super crisp digital like very yeah very crisp and they did like a soft filter or even just shot it mostly in the dark like a lot of the sequences but a lot of sequences are in the daylight some of them are outside, and you can tell when they're not really outside. You know, it's yeah. just like a uh, blue screen that they're behind, and it's like, look, the clock. You know, it's like we're outside, and it's like I don't, I don't know. Maybe that door is like real, but everything else behind the door, everything else, like you know, doesn't look good. Um. So yeah, that's I was like, huh. This is a lot of weird thing you learn about filmmaking by watching bad graphics in movies. <laughs> Because, again, going from Bonnie and Clyde, where I'm like, movies have come a long way from storytelling. Where if someone made Bonnie and Clyde in the way they did, what maybe without the climactic shootout at the end, you think it was just a bad drama. Like a bad, uh, like a straight-to-DVD kind of um, pacing, right? Like almost like a vanity project. You're like, well, man, they really want to focus in on, like, how gentle Clyde is. And then the Kevin Costner version of the, I mean, kept Highwaymen, more modern, faster pace, gritty, like, really good use of the clothing and the lighting. You know, it, it looks like a cinema of the time and nice in HD. And then Public Enemies is like the mix of both, where it's like they went cheap on the effects, but the cast is good, you know? Mm-hmm. And that, that was like, all right, that's enough 1930s gangster movies this week and that ate up most of my time watching it now and then um but yeah all right zach what about you what have you been watching so i saw um speaking of classic cinema i i saw uh the good the bad and the ugly which is one of my probably like my penultimate uh netflix dvd delivery Oh boy. I think next week is like the like there is like the end of Netflix DVDs. DV, wait, so I, do you have yours like counted, or are you just gonna like that's it? Once you or the last DVD comes in, you're just like not gonna try to rent one more. Well, I got I, I I mean I got I just got the Hitcher, the Rucker Howard movie. So okay. um, I'll watch that. I'll send that back, and then maybe get hopefully maybe get like one more, or maybe I'll get like that crazy like here's ten of them. <laughs> Like we don't care, keep them thing, but yeah, I mean, I'll probably get I'll probably get like maybe like one more delivery. I would assume. I think I think they said the last last delivery date is like the 29th, and they're not then they're not shipping DVDs anymore after that, and like the whole service is shutting down. I guess at, at like the next week. But uh, yeah, I did, but I did get the good, bad, and the ugly. Um, which I feel like I I. I I feel like I, 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 I've seen the whole thing in, like, weird, like, chunks or clips, but I never, like, sat down and, like, watched the whole thing, like, straight through before. 
Um, like I've seen, I feel like I've seen like every main scene, but it's not in like order or not in like <laughs> like in like a row. But uh, but yeah, I fi- so I finally watched the whole thing. Uh, it's I mean it's great, obviously. <laughs> the, the whole dollar trilogy is great. Um, and yeah, I mean this I mean, I mean it's it's so I, I, I this was probably probably the best one of the three. But I mean they're all they're all so good. Like I, like like fiscal dollars is like so good too, and like <laughs> for a few dollars more. You know I think a fistful of dollars. No wait, a few dollars more. That's the one that's Yojimbo, right? That's it's basically just Yojimbo. A fistful of dollars is Yojimbo. All right, so yeah, that one is my favorite. Mm-hmm. But I think I've seen Good, the Bad, and the Ugly so much that it's part of my childhood. Mm-hmm. So I, I understand that. Yeah. Also, did you find that the third act where they pretend to be soldiers is like the weird part of that movie? Like it, it just for them to like infiltrate and sort of like hang out on that side. I mean, there's there's a lot of like just there's a lot of like um kind like of just side like plot. random side plots where it's like well we gotta do this for a couple minutes we're like we're in this we're in this like blown out ghost town for. <laughs> Where like there's like cannon fire still coming through. We gotta like hang out here for a little bit, and then and, and there's a lot of like uh like mixing up of like the group of like it'll be you know Clint Eastwood, Blondie, and like uh Eli Wallach, like Tuco will be like, going around for a while, and then like they get split up, and then Blondie goes with uh Angel Eyes, like Lee Van Cleef, and then they're, they're hanging around for a little bit, and then they split up, and then or like and, like there's a lot there's a lot of great like dynamics between those three. Of just like Oh, I'm I'm hunting you, but now we're working together. But now, like, I betrayed you. And now, but now we're working together again. And it's it's weird because you can't call them like a buddy cop thing. Well, like Tuco and Blondie are, are kind of like the they're sort of like a they're like a buddy cop thing because like they're like like I mean in the beginning they're like Tuco's trying to like like murder Blondie because of like they're like they they're like, they're, like their scam going on where like they, like Blondie would like constantly turn in Tuco to like, towns and like but then free him from the hanging mm-hmm. and then they like get all the money but then like then like cleanest was like ah, i'm done i'm done with this we're like like it's not gonna work anymore <laughs> and at least in the middle of the desert and then like dude was like i'll kill you <laughs> but then but then they but then, yeah they all kind of separately find out about this like there's like tons of like confederate gold like lying around, like hidden somewhere and, and then like the, 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 the kind of the, the great like like premise of like oh uh, Tuco knows the location, but Blind knows the name of the graves so that they have to work together. Or, because if you, if you kill the other one, then they'll never get it. And then, and then Levi Cleef just like showing up as like a snake, and just like 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 getting like the information of both of them, and like just like I'll I'll let you guys do all the work, and I'll I'll finish you off because that's what I do. I like I just like come in at the end, like kill and then like kill you and get everything because he's the bad. Yeah. Uh, he he was just like a bounty hunter, right? Or he's just sort of. They're, 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 I think they're all kind of bounty hunters. Hmm. Uh, t- I mean, t- Tuco's kind of more like a bandit, but like I guess he's like he's yeah, like, yeah. He, he's like wanted, and then yeah, Blondie's like a bounty hunter, and then yeah, Angel Eyes is a, is, a, is, a, is a bounty hunter, but then he, but he's also like a he's a uh like union officer. See, I couldn't tell if that is he disguised or he actually is. No, I thought he was a Confederate officer. Is he? Is he Confederate? Well, well oh yeah, oh, no, because 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 Tuco and Blondie are like they're like they, they 
steal like that like Confederate like ambulance cart wagon. And mm-hmm. they they, th- they think the guys that come t- coming toward them are like union guys, so they're, they're like gray, but then they like they hit the dust off their uniforms. They're actually like blue union officers. Ah. So, they, so they, they they get captured by the union, and then yeah, Angel Eyes is like a some somehow like a union uh he's like a union sergeant now or something. It's supposed to be like a week later, or is it the next day? That's all. Like, I can't tell. Yeah, it's weird. It's it's it's. It's there's really no like yeah it's hard to tell like what time passing is like in this like it's like it could be it could be days it could be weeks who knows like they, like uh, yeah that's what took like, me out of it because because like it, it seems like like they're like like Hugo's like sending Blondie into like the, the, they're like running a desert for like da- like days on end <laughs> but then yeah but then somehow like Angel Eyes like worked his way up he either worked his way up to be a sergeant or he was a sergeant or he just like is pretending to be a sergeant and everyone's just going along with it like he just showed up and was like well, hey I'm a sergeant like, yeah facts. I guess I guess I guess leave a, leave leave a clip because I just could just showed up and like hey I'm a sergeant and they're like all right <laughs> we'll let you like we'll let you like torture every single uh, soldier here to like get information about this gold because because he had like that like that other guy like the other like the other office like that like big hulking union officer guy was like his like henchman. Mm-hmm. That's where like helping him. So it's like, how, like how did he like get him on his side? He just showed yeah, up. I, yeah. No idea. That's why I'm like, it, it's always taking me out of that story because it just feels like out of place. Like that, if that was like the halfway point in the movie or early to explain something, yeah. And then like after that, he tries to hunt them. Yeah. But it happens so late in the movie. And then they end up, yeah, they end up in like, in like like New Mexico, like the. Like, which I think it was the actual battle, but like the like it's like a, this like civil war battle in New Mexico, and then that whole thing with like the the drunken captain who like wants like blow up the bridge but can't because, because of his orders, but then like Blondie and Tuco blow it up for him, and he's like he dies happy because they blew up the bridge, mm-hmm. and so it ends it ended the battle. And then obviously, like the Mexican standoff scene at the end is incredible. With like the like Ennio Marconi like probably the best Ennio Marconi score of all time. Yes, I'm gonna agree that the soundtrack is pretty good. The Ecstasy of Gold, pretty awesome. Yes. And 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 I love like there's like a slightly different version of like the like main theme for each character. It seems like because like 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 when, there's like a one of like more vocals on it for like uh for I think Blondie or Tuco gets one with like more like like vocal like. Like actually, like like people like vocalizing the like good bad young theme, and the angel eyes gets like a like a like just like a straightforward one. You you really t- you can really tell like when when they do like the like because each of them gets like their own intro, like kind of scene like you where it's like see what they're you kind of get an like, idea of what their characters are and it's like the the flash like the good the bad. <laughs> it's like that's where you really get to like you hear like their like different themes uh, going on. It, it, each of those intros are so great too. Just like, like, yeah, like you learn about the like the Blondie Tuco like uh, like scam, and then like Angel Eyes like it, uh, it, when Leaf like basically like doing like I think I think it's where like Tarantino got that from, or like some of like the aspects of like Christoph Waltz and like uh, Inglorious Bastards. Like when he goes to, like that guy's house in the beginning of the, of the movie, and like he's like it, it, the guy just had like this like super tense, just like sitting out at like a, a dinner table having dinner, and then he's just like. I know, I, and then Lee McLeaf is just like, I know exactly what you're, like, you already know I'm here, like, just tell me what I want to know, like, and that's like, the murders, like, the murders, like, like the whole family. Mm-hmm, 
but yeah, it's I mean, yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, it, it just like the the scale of it too, like the cinematography, like just like all this, like just the way like the like the like the location for the Mexican standoff, like is set, like the giant graveyard with like the big circle, and then like the like huge Civil War battlefield. It's like it's it's crazy. Just, just the, like just like the cinematography, the scale, everything about it. So uh, yeah, if you haven't if you haven't seen Good Betty Ugly or any of the, like the Dollar Trilogy, like go seek them out because they are some of the best <laughs> westerns ever, ever made. I kind of hope they never remake them. I mean, there was like we got like uh, well, well I guess there's more like a remake of Yojimbo, but like uh, Last Man Standing, like Bruce Willis movie. Yeah, that was more of a Yojimbo movie. Yeah. I mean, that one I think is fine because I feel like it it wasn't the man of no name. It was just Bruce Willis. Yep. And in this town where basically bullets are everywhere. And though that movie did bring us cool Christopher Walken. Mm-hmm. As like the dude from Chicago. But yeah, what else did you watch? Um, That's pretty much it. Although I did, I did find on... Just randomly on YouTube, I, I popped up and I was just gonna watch a little bit of it. Of it and I was ended up watching the whole thing, but someone uploaded uh, the 100 greatest horror, uh, scariest horror movie moments of all time, the Bravo special from like 2004 on YouTube, which I would highly recommend checking out if you haven't seen that because that's like a great like, uh, like lot. There's a lot of like kind of like obvious movies, but then a lot there's a lot of deep cuts, a lot of like uh. Like a lot, of, a lot of the commentators on there are like people, like a lot of people have like have passed in time since then. Like, like Wes Craven and like uh, um, Toby Hooper and uh, I think Rucker Howard's on there because the hitchers involved. That's probably like it was. It was, it was that's one of those things for two. I was, I was like watching this like hundred scariest movie once again. I was like adding stuff to like either my like my Netflix or like Tubi or adding it to try to find if it's on DVD on Netflix to grab it quick before like it runs out. But because because a lot of like great. A lot of like deep cut movies they highlight where you're like, oh man, that looks awesome. I should like check it out. But yeah, that that, that originally aired in like 2004 on Bravo, so it's it's a little yeah, it's a little uh, you know, it's almost 20 years old at this point. But still, there's still a lot of great like info in it, a lot of like like great like commentary from like various like directors and actors and stuff in it, and a lot, and a lot of great uh kind of recommendations for movies if you like if you want to like really like kind of like like get this like uh like horror 101 kind of list of like stuff you should watch if you want to like like really like dig into like understand horror get into horror like the uh like shutter just did like i think last year they they had like their own kind of like an updated version of this and that was that was pretty good too but like this like this original one is, is like uh still like really great Mainly because of, like the guys that like are no longer here, that like have yeah. passed since then. Because right. you get to hear like you get to hear like them like talking about making the, like the movies or like them the, their like insights on, like other movies and stuff. So yeah, definitely check that. Like it's on if you search for Bravo's 100 Scariest Movie Moments on YouTube. It's like the whole it's it's like three it's like four hours long, but because it was it was like a five episode like you know like events on Bravo back in 2004. But yeah, definitely, definitely worth checking out uh, if you want to like, especially especially if like you know Halloween time, if you want to like get some like ideas of like movies to watch or just like refresh, like see some like uh, interesting picks for movies. 
and 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 they also they really do like the like 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 movie moment. It's like this. It's like one move one moment is like highlighted from like each movie is like the, the scariest moments. But uh, yeah, that, that'll do it for me this week. So we can wrap things up. Uh, definitely hover site. We got all of our usual features up there. We got news, reviews, uh, trailers, all kinds of stuff up there. Uh, we got our com- commentary, which you you can watch. Uh, our commentary from last month. Which was Star Wars Clone Wars, and then we're going to be doing uh, Saw 2, which will be up next week in time for Saw X. So ch- come back next week, check that out on the site. And yeah, all, all everything else we put up every every day. Head over and check all that stuff out. And for Chris, I'm Zach, and we will see you next week. For more Everything Action, head to www.everythingaction.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at EVAction on Facebook by searching for Everything Action, and follow us on Instagram at everything.action. You can also subscribe and get more episodes on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify.